Hey everyone, thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and then check us out on Facebook and at our website, thelegendariumpodcast.com. Welcome to The Legendarium. Today on The Legendarium, we are tackling the what and the why of horror. And since I have no idea what I'm talking about, I'm going to bring in a few special guests to help me out. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Legendarium Podcast. Uh, I am Craig Hanks, and if you'll notice, if you listen very closely, you won't hear Ryan, Todd, and Ken uh, with me today because they're all a bunch of wusses. Uh, today we're talking about horror. Uh, we're going to be talking about horror as a, well, as a topic in and of itself, but I'm especially interested in it as it's a, a kind of a subgenre of fantasy, which is really my thing. So, uh, I will welcome our guests. We have a full house today. Now, some of you longtime listeners of the podcast will recognize Ashley Turner. Say hi, Ashley. Hey, guys. So, Ashley is, um, she is a filmmaker, uh, the owner of Gorilla Girl Productions, local here in Salt Lake City, um, specializing in horror and dark fiction, right? That's correct. Yeah, so... She was here with us last year, uh, pre-FantasyCon. She she was uh, mic'd up and gave us a preview of FantasyCon last summer. Uh, so she's returning to the Legendarium. Thank you, Ashley, for being here. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Um, now, uh, Ashley brought with her Justin Ariola. Justin is a horror buff. Uh, he of the deep and lustrous voice. Say hello, yeah. Justin. <laughs> hello, everyone. Yeah, listen to that. It's like butter. <laughs> it's yeah. like butter. I can't believe it's not butter. <laughs> um, Ashley Walton. Now, I really shot myself in the foot by inviting two Ashleys. I know. It'll get confusing, but we'll figure it out. Ashley Walton, um, she and I met a little while ago, and I found out that she's a big horror buff, and so that's that's what really spurred this show. It, I've been thinking about it for a long time, and I, I met Ashley, and I thought, all right, that's it. We're pulling the trigger. We're doing the show. Uh, so, Ashley, say Hello. Hello. Ashley has her own personal blog, if you want to check it out, at geekappetite.com, where she blogs about, as I understand it, geek stuff and food. Uh, Yep, my two Do those ever overlap? Do you have, like, geeky food? Oh, absolutely. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, and I share some recipes where there's, you know, Archer references and things like that, so, awesome, it's fun. But she also edits an online comic. Uh, at falsepositivecomic.com. Yep, uh, horror short stories. Oh my goodness. Yeah, really yeah. fun. I'm already scared, actually. <laughs> uh, and Emma Nelson is with us as well. Emma writes and edits an e-zine on speculative fiction, uh, where they write and edit uh, art, fiction, poetry. Am I missing anything on that? No, so no. so we take f- submissions for speculative fiction, short stories, and that type of thing. And if you would like to submit, or if you want to just go check it out, go to quantumfairytales.com. Uh, anyway, welcome all of you uh, to the Legendarium Podcast. I'm super excited, and I want to start out our, our uh, conversation about horror in the lamest way possible, if we could, by defining horror. Now... Lame it may be. It's not like we're going to pull out Webster's and be like, the dictionary definition of horror is. But no, I want to get an idea of what is horror to you? What does it encompass? Um, are there things that are considered horror by by many people but don't really fit for you or vice versa? Some people wouldn't think of something as horror, but you're like, oh yeah, that totally fits my, my, you know, my wheelhouse. 
Uh, so let's start with Ashley Walton. So I think whenever you're trying to define something, it's actually deceptively simple. I don't think it's a lame question at all. I think it's actually kind of a complicated question. Um, and so I hesitate to make sweeping statements about what horror is or isn't, but I'm going to anyway. <laughs> so um, I would probably describe horror as having the intent of making you uncomfortable. And it's hard to talk about authorial intent a lot of the time. Um, you know, Barth says the author's dead and we can't, you know, talk about intent, but... Yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty much all we do here at the right. Legendarium, so uh, <laughs> okay. thanks for shooting us down. Yeah, you're welcome. So my work here is done. Um, no, but... Um, I think if uh, a comedy is supposed to make you laugh and a drama is supposed to make you cry, um, horror is supposed to make you uncomfortable. And I think a lot of people, when they talk about horror, they say, oh, uh, horror movies are never successful because they don't make me scared. Oh, and yeah, right. Yeah, well, and I don't know that it's necessarily about being scared. It's not like jumping at a haunted house. It's being uncomfortable okay so that's an interesting word because um one of the reasons that i've never gotten on board with the office is because in the first season i'm so bloody uncomfortable by the things that these people say and do that i could never laugh i don't think that's the discomfort you're talking about though no well and i think the levels of discomfort vary a lot um there's lots of different kinds of horror um you can have a horror comedy where the discomfort is kept pretty low and you're able to cut through that discomfort with mm -hmm. with laughter maybe in a little bit more of a direct way than the office does so so justin uh, are you on board with this i'm kind of on board but you know i i think that um there's definitely comedy in horror and especially the mainstream horror films it feels to me like there's an, a conscious effort to inject comedy in certain places maybe to attract a, a more broad stream audience um but for me i guess horror is is pretty much anything that's horrifying to watch and does make you uncomfortable but there are also elements that in horror that i enjoy personally um where the idea is proposed um but then your mind kind of runs wild with what that idea turns into. And that's the horrifying part is that so you give me an example. Well, you recognize things, um, either twists in the story or things that you're kind of following along. Um, the story turns and, and flips you on your head and you're thinking, oh, this way. And you recognize that, wow, I might be a little bit twisted because I was actually thinking it was going to be this. And, and that sometimes is the horrifying thing with horror is that you recognize things in yourself that maybe make you feel uncomfortable. And that's, mm -hmm. I think that's why a lot of people don't enjoy horror. Right. Emma, anything to add to this definition? Yeah, I, I like both of those. I think for me, it's about eliciting an emotional reaction, whether it's dread or discomfort or um, revulsion. There's a um, conversation I like that Stephen King has three pillars of horror. He calls them horror um, so horrifying things, terror, where you've sensed the dread of something terrible coming, or revulsion, where it's the gore factor that people are um, either into or not into. But um, so I think. <laughs> well, you just really glossed over that one. Yeah, you're either into it or not. Yeah, I, yeah I'm not. I'm not into the horror as much as the dread and the other emotions that come from it. But I think those three working at different levels in different types of um, mediums is what creates horror and emotional response mm -hmm. to. 
something. Now, Ashley Turner, you are a, uh, a filmmaker. Yeah. You make horror films. That's correct. What are you trying to do? Is, uh, is this ringing true to you, this idea of uh, making the audience uncomfortable? I think there's another word that we could throw in there into that definition to maybe expand it and help fine-tune it a little, and that's the element of tension. So that paired with discomfort, tension and discomfort, which the discomfort comes from the tension, I think creates the horror. I would probably be the one person out there that does not believe that comedy horror, the satires, are actually horror. So even though they use elements like dead, you know, dead people and zombies and blood, it's so funny that there isn't any tension mm-hmm. and there there really isn't I would I would say there isn't enough tension or discomfort that it would classify as horror. So a lot of the subgenre that people would say the comedy horror, I don't actually feel is horror. I feel it's just comedy. They're just using elements borrowed from another genre to create a new genre in themselves. Um but that's that's just me. <laughs> well, I think that's so, true. <clears throat> Yeah, well, Shaun of the Dead was okay, and that's exactly where I was going to go. Is I, I I would love examples of all these because there's yeah. you know I I'm somebody who's relatively uninitiated, and so one thing I'm curious about is where I can start. So I've seen Shaun of the Dead, right. laughed my head off, right. incredibly funny movie. Zombieland is another yeah, Zombieland is a good comedy that a lot of people like to aren't necessarily your typical horror fan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then if you think about like Scream, most people can, would consider that in the horror genre, horror. but you know, there was definitely funny elements in Scream. Yeah, but, and you can you know. have elements of comedy in a horror, but I feel once the comedy has tipped that balance and you no longer have tension or um, discomfort, then you're no longer playing in the horror field. Because, I mean, we can't discredit the 80s or the 70s, the ch- cheesy horror flicks yeah. that just make you laugh, but they're still attempting to create discomfort and they're attempting to create that tension. But when you have something that's trying to satire the horror genre, I would say that's a satirical comedy. That's not a horror, but that's mm-hmm. some people do feel those are horrors. Well, mm-hmm. so where would you put Cabin in the Woods? Would you say okay. that that's <laughs> horror yeah. or would you say that that's satire horror <clears throat> or not horror? I, can, I mean, I, I, can I jump in on this one? Sure. Because, um, Is that the one horror movie you've seen? No, no, no. So, so I'm like I say, I'm relatively uninitiated. I, I'm sure I haven't seen anywhere near the number of horror films that you all have. But I've seen, so I watched Cabin in the Woods because it was on Netflix and I'd heard a few things about it. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know the backstory behind the making of the film. Um, for those of, those listening who don't know, Cabin in the Woods is kind of a, it's a loving hate letter or a hateful love letter. Oh, to, it's a love letter, baby. Yeah, <laughs> to, to the horror genre. Um, so it's kind of a send up, uh, but a send up that's not straight comedy, right? So the way that I took that movie is uh, I had seen just enough horror films that I I recognized at a certain point what they were doing, but it took a while. And so at that point, you know, once I once I had it figured out, then it was you know a little bit funnier, a little bit hokier. But up until then, yeah, I was pretty scared. You know, they they didn't. Um, they they used all the horror tropes that we're all used to, but they used them pretty well, even if they're making fun of yeah, them they a little did bit. Mask it a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If that makes sense. Well, yeah. and I think if we wanted to, we could spend the entire podcast talking about what is or isn't horror because mm-hmm. it's different, and you can yeah. always argue about what fits in a certain genre or what doesn't. And right. and there's so many 
overlap with horror and other genres that that could be a, a whole conversation in itself well yeah. why don't we finish this up then by <laughs> coming back to your comment earlier that uh, the little mermaid is a horror film because <laughs> ursula arguably, steals her arguably. voice sure i think i said arguably yeah, kind of kind arguably. of jokingly yeah, um, okay so that though that's based on your demographic because horror is subjective. I mean, to an extent, I right. mean, some stuff is so obviously horror. So for like, five no and one six would argue years. argue that Hellraiser is like not a horror. But then you have stuff like The Little Mermaid that might scare like a child. Five and, six and, and so it's a horror to yeah, a yeah. child. Can I tell you what yeah. scared the crap out of me when I was a kid? I was like eight years old, and somebody had me watch Ernest Scared Stupid. <laughs> I was a wreck for days. Oh, I was looking for trolls everywhere. And I was loading my squirt gun with milk and everything. So that would be horror. Me for you. For you. And oh, I think yeah. That's the biggest horror. thing here is that horror is subjective for each person. To an extent, you know? yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, good. There good. are shades of gray to where your demographic Just how is many? going to depend. Would that be 50? I also th- <laughs> I also think Not with that, that specific example, like um, horror for me plays so much into folklore and urban legend, mm-hmm. and I think Disney is kind of a um, cleaned up version of those same mm-hmm. legends, and so I think they play off the same ideas in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. and and that's one of the things I find so fascinating about horror is it's such a reflection of culture, and um, you know the the same stories you were scared of as a five year old, they just make them better for adults. Well, that's, well, and- that's really true because if you think about like Grimm's fairy tales back in the day, like those used to be really horrifying. That's some pretty tales. dark stuff. Yeah, and those have all kind of been spun into really vanilla, you know, Disney mm-hmm. movies, and and so I mean. I mean, from a from a film perspective, films are created to teach lessons, some messages. Uh, horror tends to be a little bit more of a extreme. This is what happens to you if you don't listen or if you're not good. But it carries the same morals or lack of um, what I mean. We get into the stereotypes of the movies of the you know non virgins who get killed first. Okay, I was wondering about that because that was like that so, was a big thing in the eighties so and nineties, wasn't you it? You have the yeah, little mermaid who gave up her voice for a boy and then all this horrible stuff happens to her i mean it's morals about (laughs) behavior and what happens the horrible things that happen to you if you don't listen to your parents yeah i I remember (laughs) at uh, nobody had to tell me about it but at a certain point when i was a kid i was like a young teenager and i'd watched enough movies on tv you know they pop up every now and then and i think i was watching a movie called Cherry Falls. Oh gosh. and i mean it was bad of course it was bad is that the one with all of the kids that are having um it relations yeah in so town. anybody who doesn't have sex gets does anybody who's still a virgin gets uh, spared and anybody who who has sex is killed by this maniacal you know man around be a lesson teacher. to you people yeah. out there yeah i don't know it's bizarre um okay so uh, I've got a question for all of you now, especially Ashley Turner, who's who. I know, right? Too many Ashleys around here. You just call me Gorilla Girl. It's it's a good thing, by the way, that we didn't get Greg in here, because then we'd have Craig and Greg and <laughs> Ashley and, and Ashley. Ashley. <laughs> um, but uh, what was I going to say? Oh yes, convention person. You do a lot of conventions. Uh, you're especially horror conventions, but right. also lots of fantasy and and uh, comic cons and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Why? Why, when I'm walking around Comic-Con or Fantasy-Con, do I see zombies and people with their heads chopped off and, you know, blood and gore all over the place? Why Why does horror fit with fantasy and sci-fi? What's the deal there? Why not? What? Okay, so... 
from a Comic Con perspective, that's a little bit more different because well, I just not really, I guess though. I just mean the culture of, though, of geekdom comics, right? Well, and I mean, it's all are... thing comics, which includes horror comics, okay. horror graphic yeah. novels. So you will have the horror cosplay and the horror characters. Mm-hmm. Walking Dead has created a new category at they actually have walker stalker cons now where it's all things zombie all things like walking dead so you have this genre that's becoming really popular um of zombies it's mm-hmm. like its own genre now but yeah. it's, it's easier one it's easier to cosplay those things the people like the gore and they like to just i guess that we're all a little creepy but um it, horror is an element of fantasy. I know so you don't I, I, think so. No, no, no. I'm not saying I don't think so. I'm just saying I don't understand why, fantasy, how and why it fits in. Fantasy, although when one hears fantasy, they assume a certain thing. Like they assume Hobbit or Lord of the Rings and that's fantasy. But fantasy, if we take it back old school, fantasy is just the suspension of belief from our real world. Okay. That's all it is. I guess Which horror, you have vampires, werewolves, zombies, and now some people might think they're real, but let's be honest, that's not real. So that would be... <laughs> or ghosts or whatever it is. That, that would no be fantasy. But I guess when I when I think of fantasy and science fiction nowadays, I uh, the way that the stories are told, it's often not just a suspension of disbelief, but somebody is creating this entire world where you can go and, and live, in your mind at least, you can go and, and pretend to be a hobbit or, uh, you know, pretend to be on the Nautilus with Captain Nemo. And, or... and some people like to pretend they're werewolves in true blood or, you know, these different characters in these horror realms. And so, because those are, in these films, yeah. those are different worlds. They and I guess I just, yeah, I, I guess I just think of something like Saw. You know, like, why in the world would you want to, you know, put your mind in that zone? Ah, ah I see you're all quiet well, right now. Yeah. So here's the Ashley wants to answer that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's funny. Every person who is not into horror, the the... They the go thing straight they go, for Saw. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's... like, like, oh, you sickos in your torture porn. <laughs> but that is not what what horror necessarily is. Sure. To, to okay, all so people. go on. Small um, piece of the pack. Yeah. Tell me well, more. Well, for me, um, I think horror is this space um, in which we are able to grapple with our fears, whether that's, you know, probably not a literal fear of a werewolf, but it can be um, fear of the evil in us all. It can be fear of death. It can be fear of pains that are very real um and working through that in a cathartic way whether that's through cosplay whether that's through reading a book whether that's from watching a a horror film yeah go Go, emma i i think going along with that i think horror is really cool because it's so personal everybody's afraid of different things and different things affect them differently but it's also so cultural like if you look at the history of of horror you've got the the zombie flicks that exploded after 9-11 and everybody's afraid of terrorism and um, Ebola and swine flu. And um, and you've got Godzilla after um, after the atomic bomb. So I think that it um, pulls out your individual fears, but it's also a cool way for people collectively to look at fear and and how it influences our culture. Well, from a, I hate it when you people make but sense. From a, it's from a psychology and a filmmaking perspective. This is how writers are 
exercising their own internal demons, but they're also speaking commentary. It's social commentary. A lot of these horror films are social commentary. George Romero uses his zombies not just as, hey, there's just these creepy things that are going out to eat people. His zombies speak to the masses. So he's speaking, um, if you saw Land of the Dead with uh, John Leguizamo, the zombies actually started, there was the elite, and they were going out and just shooting the zombies up and torturing them and just having fun. And you're like, wait, what? This is reverse. These zombies are being treated horrible and all they're doing is trying to get by. And they're slow, they're dumb, and they are the masses. That is his commentary. The masses are slow and dumb and they're not aware of what's happening to them. Then you have one zombie who picks up a gun, shoots it on accident, and it's like he has that aha moment of... I have power too. I know yeah. what I can do. Mm-hmm. I can fight back. And then he starts teaching the others how to use guns, how to use weapons. Granted, it's a bit violent and it's a different world, but it was social commentary. It was speaking to society as George Romero felt was at present. This is reflected in a lot of horror films. It's A lot of it tends to be social commentary. We just, they want people to receive it well. And not come across as pretentious. So they create things like zombies and monsters to represent those those topics. And then it gets received. And if you get the underlying meaning, fantastic. fantastic. And if you don't, well, then you had a good cheap thrill. so Or well, expensive, depending on the budget. <laughs> and I think the other thing with that, too, is there is a lot of what-ifs. So even you know in those films and like Walking Dead Now you are forced to put yourself in this situation. Well, okay, what if, you know, there's me and another guy and we're being chased by these zombies and he goes down. Am I going to go back and get him? I don't know. What kind of person am I? Yeah, yeah. What kind of person are you? Um, You know, are you going to be able to shoot your wife that you've been with for eight years because she turns on you? You know, those kind of things are very um, tense moral dilemmas. And so there's a lot of social commentary in those kind of horror genres especially with the zombies because you know they always help me understand that i'm actually a really just really good person (laughs) all the time yeah you feel in every situation always a good person so it's really nice to have that uh, well justin and i had a discussion um a few weeks ago about because I know you brought up Saw and then the torture and people don't understand that aspect but I brought up Hellraiser and I told them that Pinhead is actually a hero (laughs) and he said excuse me what and I said yeah if you look at what Pinhead actually does in Hellraiser minus one film where he loses his humanity and tortures everybody typically in the films he's actually bringing karmatic results to people that do very very bad things he follows a rule of ethics he won't take innocent people he won't uh if someone's forced to open the puzzle box he will not take them he takes the person who forced them to open it the bad people and then forces them to deal with their own pain and their own consequences of their actions and their choices so to me i'm like hmm Maybe he's not quite the villain people paint him to be. Uh, And so it's actually taking a step outside of what you're being exposed to when you look at that and think, oh my gosh, this is horrible. This is grotesque. I can't even imagine or figure out why they would do this. And look at the... um, What's actually being presented to you? What's the storyline? Yeah, I, yeah, I would still, I would still paint him as the villain. Though. <laughs> I mean, I was swayed. I mean, is it because he has pins I, in no, his head? You, no, no, no. It's, uh, I mean, if, if, as long as we're talking, you're bringing up George Romero's politics. Yep. And I, it's, it's like, uh, if the masses are stupid and and dumb, at least we judge each other, and we don't allow the elites to do that, right? So Hellraiser is still a villain in that he sets himself up, or what's that? Jigsaw is that his name? He sets himself up as the judge of 
whoever he wants to be the judge of. Well, but then is but then is Batman a villain? Yes. I mean, that's what you've that set was, up. There you Batman go. Is that was I mean, the argument. That's now what we're, said. Now we're much, talking. He's the judge. He's the jury and the executioner. Well, well that's, he that's Judge he Dredd. Doesn't ex- he doesn't, doesn't execute. execute. Yeah. But he yeah. does yeah. take away their freedom. He sends them to, what is it, Arkham Prison? Prison? He takes away their freedom. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying... That uh, that this is and all I mean, clean, realistically, but... even with Pinhead, he doesn't come to them, or he doesn't come to them. They come to him. They open the box and open up his world. Mm. So he's not forcing himself onto them and saying, "I pick you and That's you true. and you." They open the box and come to him. And he's all... playing with his own set of morals. Yep. Just because they don't line up with our own doesn't make him a bad guy. <laughs> You're all making me feel very stupid. I... Go on, Emma. Well, I think a great example of that is you brought up the morality of Walking Dead. Yeah. Like for me, the best. Uh, that's one of the reasons I love that show. I think it's one of the most well-written TV shows because the first couple seasons, you have Rick and Shane pitted against each other. You have Rick trying to maintain his humanity and always do the right thing. And you have Shane saying, no, we're not going to survive this world unless we adapt to being more ruthless. And so I think that dichotomy is always so fascinating. Do you you try to maintain your humanity or do you evolve? And I think that's what a lot of horror talks about is – is working within that black and white, not black and white area, the gray area of of ethics and morality. I, I can't even respond to that, but that's amazing. It, I, well, it, you it, are both of those characters were actually, you know, before all hell broke loose, were both you know authoritarian figures, yeah. and so it's interesting that they both come from different sides of okay, I'm going to maintain this part of me, and the other one is no, I'm. I'm going full retard yeah. on zombie killing. They were both the cops. They were both <coughs> right. to protect right. and serve, protect and they and both serve. had exactly. different ideas of how that how that, how that happened. Yeah. Right. So okay, let me let me switch gears here a little bit because we've brought up The Walking Dead, which is insanely popular. I don't watch that show. Oh, because I'm not, terrified you're of not, zombies. You're not oh, very, really? right. Yeah, okay. I thought it was that doesn't be make sense, right? Too far outside <laughs> your horror. So well, no, actually, this is perfect. I, I'm really glad you said that because. Obviously, we've talked about there are different genres of horror. Yeah. Are are there any within the community, the horror community? Are some things more pure than others? Uh, yes, whether it's absolutely. torture or zombies or creatures or ghosts or whatever it is, is there a purity scale that we deal with? The way you're saying pure is making me uncomfortable because it sounds like a creepy <laughs> priest from a horror movie or something. Is it pure? <laughs> Omen. I mean, I. I I would echo what I said earlier where I think you could argue all day about what is or isn't horror. To me, I don't think there's a pure horror. I have my favorites. favorites. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Like, I love I love it all, but I love like the monsters and the supernatural stuff. And okay, but if you mention Twilight, we can somebody, all agree Twilight's you, not yeah, a horror. You mentioned Twilight to somebody that, that enjoys horror, and they're going to slap you. Yeah, that's one sure. thing in the horror but, but community we come that's, together on. I think that's shiny just, diamond. Vampire. Well, okay, I don't personally like Twilight, and I haven't I haven't actually read it. I've watched a couple of the movies though. But I would Don't say, no, 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 but listen, yeah, and I wouldn't consider it horror, but if that is somebody's gateway drug into horror, I'm totally cool with that. You know what I mean? Like, if somebody gets into vampires and werewolves and all of this mythos because they got turned on by some vampire romance, I'm I'm, I don't have Twilight. a problem with that, you next know? Thing, next thing you know, they're in the back alley. 
<laughs> Trying to I score need that some Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> score some real horror. Like that actually brings a commonality between me and another person who would probably not have anything else in common otherwise, yeah. right? We can argue about vampires. Yeah. Right. I'll let you I'll let you watch the first movie <laughs> yeah. for free. For free. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the next time you're paying. Okay, so well then let's get personal. Um if let's get personal. if there's no if there's no kind of consensus that we can talk about within the community. Okay, in the filmmaking community. Okay. Oh, yeah, we, there we are there we go. gearing away from torture porn. I think that um as a whole and, and I mean there's still people that but you see less and less movies like Hostile and Saw being made mm-hmm. because it's just not torture porn is not received that well. Um, it's too much of a gore because then you lose the message. When people um, are seen just ripped apart in flesh and made uncomfortable and that's it and there is not like a storyline, they disconnect. And when you disconnect from a movie, it wasn't successful. And that's just from an audience and a filmmaking perspective, not from any other perspective. So the disconnect is happening too much. So torture porn films those are not being received as well as they typically were. The first yeah. Saw and the first Hostel did so well because it was new. It was different. It was extreme. Saw films. Seven Saw Yeah, films. but that's because of the success <laughs> And of how the many of them one. went straight to DVD? Yeah. But, but it was because the first... So Hellraiser, even the first Hellraiser did well. But then the more they went along, the more people... It was just a novelty. People like Pinhead, so they're like, oh, great. But then once in the eighth film, when they used a different actor for pinhead people just stopped watching it and then they talked about in the community we're going to create a ninth or tenth one or whatever when they're at and we're bringing him back doug bradley then it's like oh wait we're gonna watch it but not because they like hellraiser it's because they like we're that bringing guy. pinhead back yay so but- so if i hear you right then um then the torture genre porn if you want to call torture it porn, that, that's apparently. what they call it torture um, genre the torture genre it it is horror you're just saying it's maybe not able to accomplish what you want horror to accomplish well, it, it seems like there isn't you know people run with the different genres that emerge mm-hmm. and it tends to explode and everybody wants to make films like that because it's doing so well um but with that specific genre you had your hostile series and your, you had your saw series you had other films attempt to come out and do something similar to that, but they didn't. You didn't really hear about them because it wasn't as well received. It was a novelty to the new um, generations that didn't have Hellraiser, so they didn't know about it. So it was new to them to have Saw. So then they tried a second and a third, but it went downhill because it just you can only see so much torture without an actual storyline mm-hmm. before it's like ah, this is old. And the same thing with Hostel. You don't really. All they had was this generic framework of oh, we went to another country. And we got tortured. <laughs> Yay. So, yeah, so think about that same genre, like Rob Zombie very much incorporates a lot of the torture atmosphere, you know, has a, a thousand corpses. But he still has enough storyline. Right, right, it, it's right, that balance right. of how my much percentage, favorite, how much percentage of a film is dedicated to the torture and how much actually has storyline to it. And it, what would it qualify as torture porn or torture genre? That's just a film that's filled with it. That, right. And that's all you're being exposed to, at least in my opinion. Yeah. And I think, I mean, some of my favorite horror films, which we could argue about whether or not they're horror, mm-hmm. um, are the more psychological horror where 
you know, it's more just kind Somebody of... Somebody say Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, Silence I of the Lambs. I um, The Shining. There's it's stuff that horror. makes you uncomfortable and makes you think about stuff, but it's not necessarily gross out type All of the stuff, time. right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, Emma, are there any genres that you haven't been able to get on board with where you're just like, this doesn't do it for me? Yeah, absolutely. What Ashley was saying was dead on for me. I do not do the torture porn. Um I was reading... The We've sim- said the word porn a lot oh, sorry, on this podcast. Sorry. I'm just saying. <laughs> the torture <laughs> genre. Like, I was reading the synopsis for The Human Caterpillar and Human Caterpillar 2. I could, Centipede. I, I could not do that. I just think... I think it gets gimmicky when it's just too much about the gore and... Although the, that did give rise to a very funny south park episode just saying uh, i've not seen it so disgusting so i'm not as pretty, into the violence and the gore okay what about you justin um i don't mind the violence and the gore he likes it i actually so <clears throat> when i first started with horror you know just like everybody else it was like the monster movies so you know freddy all the stuff that's not you know it's scary but it's not as realistic as i would enjoy and then you look at um so now I'm kind of in two camps where you have um, like the fantasy horror, like a Guillermo del Toro, where everything's very visual and stylized. Um, and then you have more of a reality horror. So, you know, my personal favorite, Rob Zombie, would, would do something that's plausible. You see behaviors in people that you, you know, you see people on the street and you very much think, wow, that guy might. I'm really, my head off. really glad he doesn't <laughs> he have a chainsaw. Yeah, I'm <laughs> really glad that guy doesn't have any dangerous weapons right now because he looks really scary just standing there. You know, so, and so that for me, that's kind of where I enjoy my horror to be more on the plausible side. Um, you know, some people like the monster stuff and, I, and I've enjoyed that in the past, but I, um, it's more scary to me mm. if it's plausible, if it's feasible. I love the religious horror films. I don't know why. But I the do. demonic stuff. Yes, it's yeah. creepy and it creeps yeah. me out. Because some people take for granted that those types of things are real, right? I mean, I think that's why <laughs> religious horror themes get scary really quick, right? Yeah. Possession. All right, so so let's. Um, I like the psychology. Of switch it. <laughs> uh, switch tracks again. Now, I I want from each of you, if I could. To give me and everybody listening a recommendation if you're like uh, if somebody says i've never watched a horror film or or maybe i sat halfway through and, and i just i hate it i don't like being scared uh but you want to convince them like you know it's really okay like it's it's <laughs> really okay yeah, i know right no it's really okay to watch horror and here's a great example of where you can start where do you start with horror smurfs 2 <laughs> Was Katie was it, Katy Perry in that one? It was horrible. Horrible, you used it. <laughs> you guys are terrible, terrible people. Horrible. I, I actually, when I introed this podcast, I considered insulting you all like I do my regular panelists, but uh, decided no, I'll be nice. Now you I'm, know we'll get you back really well. I know, right? We know a lot of ways to kill people. <laughs> oh, you don't want to. You don't want to mess with the messed up ones. Um, yeah. Any ideas? Where Where should I start? Where to start? Um, I'd say for gateway horror you should look at i mean there's so many overlaps with different genres so you should start with what you already like Mm -hmm. and go from there if you're into sci-fi do alien or the thing or the fly the predator you know yeah i mean no, those aren't. I wouldn't say those are necessarily horror, but that would be a good. Hey, place to start Aliens out. scared the well, crap out of me when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're gonna yeah. have to fight later. Yeah, so. we're gonna All argue right. about this. So, I would say 
desensitization so that they can tolerate and then learn to appreciate other films. So what are you scared of and watch it? Like really watch it and keep watching it because you desensitize yourself over time to these things and where you expose yourself. So yeah, it's terrifying the would, first few times. Some would say that's not a good idea. I think it is a good idea because yeah. if you can face your fears. So if you're afraid of something and you're running from it, what are you doing? But if you can actually sit through something and start exposing yourself and facing your fear and not being afraid of it, you are building a tolerance and facing your fear. So then you can actually start to appreciate the storyline behind what you were surface level afraid of. And analyze, like step back and say, oh my gosh, I'm terrified of this movie with Ernest and the trolls. What? <laughs> I, I, I right. still probably right. would be. And Let's step get back though and say, why does that scare me? Turn the, you know, turn that microscope towards yourself and say, why does that scare me? What am I so afraid of about that? Because I think you are, you're afraid of milk. (laughs) Ain't that the truth? (laughs) I think, let's get a, let's get a Freudian psychologist in here and let's, uh, let's rip that apart. So it, it really is about, I think, desensitizing yourself. And I don't think it's a bad thing. It's not a desensitization to violence. So it's not like, hey, learn to love violence and gore. It's learning to face whatever it is you're afraid of or uncomfortable with about that. And then turn turn it around on yourself and say, why is that scaring me so yeah. much? Why is that bothering you're, me? You're nodding, Ashley. Yeah, Walton. well, because I think another word for that is catharsis, right? Yes. That you are dealing with some of your repressed emotions exactly. head on, right? Maybe that's a better word than desensitization. Desensitization. If we're yeah. if we're scared of that word, it's certainly shorter. It's cathartic. Yeah. <laughs> it is. And you're exercising people, your own demons. Yeah, and a lot of people talk about you know being desensitized by media. You know, you see people that have fallen in the street, and people just walk over them or walk by them, and, and that kind of lends itself to the discussion of oh, you know, people who watch horror films are, are messed up, you know, because they none of that stuff bothers them, and and I think that you know, calling attention to those things and really noticing that I've actually felt more empathy with people after seeing like horror films than I, than I did before I went in. All right. So I don't know. Okay. Well, uh, Emma, anything to add to this? Yeah, I like that. I hate the perception that people who like horror are deviants and violent people. That's because you guys all like horror. But I mean, but but you're all super weird. But I think that's the point of fiction in general is causing (laughs) it's helping empathy. I think that's why people are drawn to fiction. But um, for me, I was trying to think of non gory, non violent um, gateway gateway films. So I was thinking, if you're not into supernatural, I like Misery or um, silence that's of the Lambs. Painful. Yeah, those it, are, those it, are it is, tense. but it's that's a, not. That's, a, that's like starting with crack. It, you it think may so? not yeah. be like bloody, okay. but it's bone okay. crushing. I like that one. Yeah. Um, and for supernatural, I think um, the woman in black is really good at atmosphere. Mm. I think that does such a good job without a lot of bad things happening. It creates great tension. And I mean, Daniel Radcliffe, he's just he's so hot. Right? Yeah, totally. Harry Potter. Wait, I think you have some good ones that cross between sci-fi and horror that I think would be entertaining, but they're still technically horror, which would be like Constantine. That's, you know, oh, that's the, the, yeah, the devils uh, mm-hmm. or the demons and the angels. And then it's got some, you know, it's, it's style uh, from a cinematography point of view. It's stylized. It's vibrant. It's it's entertaining to watch. And mm-hmm. it's got a good story I actually line. would put that in my top five worst <laughs> films I've ever seen ever. But it's not going to terrify someone who's new to horror. Okay. You don't like you watching right. Neo flip off angels? <laughs> no, it's not that. I, 
There, it was actually okay. If I can take a little sidetrack here, so I'm watching. He flipped Const- off the devil, not yeah. angels. Oh, oh, that's true. I'm I'm watching Constantine, and I'm like, this is just. You know, I'm not enjoying ever. this. This is not good. The writing is bad. The acting is not so good. It's and a then, pretty movie, though. And then he went to hell. <laughs> and then he went to hell. And it's like, uh, and I don't mean that literally, right? He visits hell, and there's demons crawling all over the place and stuff. And it was just, it, it was just such a the wrong stroke, like from a a movie watcher's perspective i was so disappointed but it's anyway, not gonna that took terrify right you right? right it's a gateway movie so That's it so gives sick. you an introduction for my gateway movies i would pick older horror films because um we are all kind of gotten used to you know visual effects have, have improved mm-hmm. over the years mm-hmm. so if you watch like the first friday the 13th movie yeah it's not really scary for the people who've seen a lot of horror films right but for somebody who's not really into horror you know, you can you can appreciate that it's supposed to be scary. It's not really scary because you notice some of the cheesy elements. Um, but there's people dying. You know, the, the promiscuous woman is getting killed and stabbed <laughs> in inappropriate ways. And so it's a good way to get, you know, Freddy Krueger. First Freddy Krueger would probably be a good one to start. Um, I love Freddy. Maybe Halloween. All right. Those those early horror films. So you're talking like 80s and Yeah, like early some 90s. of the 80s horror films. You know, maybe like... Um, the Omen would be good, or you know, the first Exorcist. You know, when I I remember when Rosemary's I, Baby, right? Rosemary's Baby. Oh, when I first saw the, you know, The Exorcist, I was really young. I don't know why I saw it, but I did, and I was very young. And my mom and it made you, yeah. the, and it made you the man you are today. And it did. It right. made me the killer that I am today. Um, <laughs> but I remember being terrified for weeks after that, and now going back and, and watching The Exorcist, it, it's laughable. Like some of it kind of made me laugh, and I, was I just still like, can't watch that by myself. You know, and that's the difference is, is some of those older films, you know, were terrifying at the time because none of us had been exposed to any of that stuff. Right. And now that we have been, go ahead. No, I was just going to say I think those are excellent recommendations. Um, not just because they're fantastic classic horror films, yeah, yeah, yeah. but those are also like if you really do want to get into horror, they lay the foundation for so many tropes that are played right. with yeah. for years and years afterwards. Yeah. So you see those films and you understand later what we're playing with. Right. I would take yeah. it even further more back to the classics. I mean, take it to Bella Lugosi. Take it Frank to yeah, you know, Nosferatu. Yeah, yeah, yeah American yeah, yeah. Werewolf in London. Like, Great actually, movie. yeah, take it way back because those are like the fathers of, you know, of horror. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. yes, some people may not be able to connect because it's black and white, but I think most people do have an appreciation for it and they're not too horrible that they're going to be terrified. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember actually speaking of black and white um this is not a horror movie but um there will be blood uh, yeah. did you guys all see yeah. that yeah. um at the beginning of the movie some guy like falls down a, a well and he's like lying in this bloody mess at the bottom and when I the first time I watched the movie I had no idea I just everybody said it's a great movie watch it I'd never seen a preview nothing I put it in the DVD player and the DVD player was busted so it played it in black and white <laughs> and I had no idea so what? I watched the whole thing in black and white anyway so this guy lying in the bloody puddle on the floor I some I could tell lost. I yeah. could tell it was you know that it was violent but some of that like visceral rejection yeah. it didn't happen for me so right. hey maybe black and white films aren't a bad idea for somebody who's trying to get into to horror right 
Yeah, and I would also say Alfred Hitchcock, which is oh, not, so I mean, good. some people would ar- maybe so argue good. it's not straight up horror, but it is like that psychological thriller type stuff. And I, I feel yeah. like anyone Birds. can connect, but you mm. have no heart if you can't connect with an Alfred Hitchcock right. film. Hitchcock, to me, he's my hero. I saw that was in your questions of who who's your favorite, but Hitchcock is my hero because he's one of the few that for me the best horror is the horror that doesn't show you the monster it or it shows you the monsters actually within you and so he does that so well and i love hitchcock if if i had to have an inspiration for what i do it's hitchcock because i don't want to show the gore i don't want to show anything unless it absolutely serves a purpose and i want you to imagine the worst monster possible i don't want to show it to you Mm -hmm. i want you to imagine it i want you to do the scaring yourself so well and that's really where the power comes from is is what's scaring everybody else's mind so if you leave those things to a person's mind oftentimes what you end up being afraid of in real life you know it's so much scarier in your mind than it actually ends up being whether it be a situation a new situation that you're going into or or some kind of fear you know once you're actually in the situation you're like oh this isn't so bad all right. You know, so playing with, with the mind element, I think, so is I, big. I do want to talk about, then, favorite movies or favorite directors. So, you, uh, Ashley, you said Alfred, Hitch, Alfred Hitchcock. We've got Justin Loves, Rob Zombie, Rob apparently. Zombie, Guillermo del Toro. And, okay, yeah. so there's another one. Uh, what about the other Ashley and Emma? I also worship Guillermo del Toro. I mean, there's so many. Um, His films are just beautiful, yeah. aren't they? So good. Yeah. Crimson um, Peak is coming out soon. I know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, Isn't that the... Wait, did he pass up The Hobbit for that one, or was it for Pacific Rim? No, I think it was for... For Crimson Peak. Peak. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. I was going to say Hitchcock, too. I think he just sets the tone so well that a lot of directors try to skip over with blood and stuff. Um, the cheap way out. Yeah, exactly. Um, Sorry. But, and this is probably not a popular thing, but going back to, to the gateways, I love... Okay, I'm cringing even saying this with horror fans, but I think Spielberg's like Jaws and Gremlins and even Jurassic Park. Little creature yes. films. Yeah, yeah, those are good. Too. I think he's so good with that, and I think those are great for people who are just starting out in horror. Too. You ready? You yeah. ready for um, uh, some heresy? I love Signs, which scared the tar out of me when I was like 15. Huh. Huh. We, we said, need to take you. Huh. We need to take him to go see some real horror movies. We're gonna watch it. I just want to watch you watching some now. real horror movies. <laughs> now I remember I, I was I think I was 15 when that came out. My my buddy and I Ryan who podcasts with me we went and saw it and then I was walking home from his house and it's like two blocks we grew up right next to each other and uh, and I'm I, I was I, I'm looking for aliens you know what the yeah. heck's going on and uh, and then somebody it's 10 30 11 o'clock at night completely dark and somebody sprinklers. Came on as I was walking past their yard, and I just took off running. Was, uh, that one really keyed me up. So I would say one of my favorites that crosses—I would say—is a cross between fantasy, like what you would consider fantasy uh-huh. and horror. It would be Lovecraft. Ooh, now we're talking. So, one of that, my absolute favorite authors, and Lovecraft is considered horror. Well, now so I would—I would, a, have, I would have put him. I thought it was like. Kind of the weird fiction, yeah. maybe not so much horror. He's Do you got put the him monsters. firmly in? He's he is considered in the horror community. Horror yes. totally claims him. Yeah, yeah horror yeah. claims him. <laughs> okay, he's ours. He has <laughs> he has the monsters, and he creates tension and discomfort and all the elements that we discussed yeah. about what makes horror. He's got it. He did give rise to like three of my favorite Metallica songs. So. <laughs> 
Lovecraft is totally in the pantheon, as far as I'm concerned. I right. like horror claims them. <laughs> so, parting shots, since we're, we're going to be wrapping up here in the next few minutes, we've got five or ten minutes left to go, but um, let's chat a little bit about um, why, why you love horror, what it does for you personally. We've talked a little bit about the catharsis, and I, I'm wondering if there's anything else. So, uh, let me back it up a little bit and, and bring it back for our Legendarium fans, many of whom are... are uh, simpler fans of you know fantasy and science fiction and and that sort of thing. Um, we love having the world to insert ourselves into. We love having uh, you know the place to go for a few hours in this book or this movie. We love having the conventions that we can go to where there's a community and uh, you have like-minded people that you know, that you can find and, and hang out with. Uh, is any of that? Uh, ringing true as horror fans as well? Is is that what you're getting out of this? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean you're a you're a horror convention uh, uh, guru, yeah. right? And do you see the same level of connection between people at these conventions? Oh yeah, yeah. Like there, it's it's filled just like any of the the comic conventions or the fantasy conventions. They are filled with people connecting over this stuff and doing. It's the same thing. It's the same thing, just different elements so you have the cosplayers and you have the people chatting about their favorite stories and their favorite movies and arguing about what was good and what wasn't good and it just mm-hmm. it's a it's a very it, it's something to bond over it's a community as well it's a tight community and um even when they disagree over what's horror and what's not horror but that's found in the comic community as well and right. the fantasy community so it's just yeah. Well, and you'll see, you know, you'll see a couple that are totally zombied out, blood, gore, and they're holding hands and looking at each other lovingly as they're walking around <laughs> a bunch of other zombies. So, you know, they definitely, you know, there is that community bond. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like being a horror fan is like being in this secret fan club. Maybe not so secret, but a fan club. There is a secret handshake. Yeah. And, and it's one disgusting. Of- <laughs> it's sick. <laughs> it involves blood. Um, no, but... Um, one of my favorite things about horror is just the intertextuality and how it's constantly referencing, you know, itself. And, um, one of the fun things is that horror fans can just pick that up and discuss that with each other and what it means that we deviated from tropes here and, you know, what you didn't expect to happen here. And it's just fun. It feels like you're in a conversation with the film, which is a unique experience for me, um, I think it's more, yeah, intertextual, intertextual and self-referential than any other that's, genre. That's one thing that, that I intentionally steered away from during this conversation, but I, I hope people listening were able to pick it up. I mean, you guys, I, I know you're holding back. There are so many references and oh, cross-references yeah. that you can make. And that's one thing I was I was originally, I mentioned Greg earlier, Greg Gage over at Black Cat Comics uh, in South Salt Lake was going to join us originally and, and he took sick. Get better, Greg. Uh, but that's one thing he mentioned to me. He's like, well, geez, I'd, I'd really have to prepare for the theory of horror because the thing that we so often do as horror fans when we're together is you know, we just talk about this director did this film with that actor who was in that film, and here's how they play together. And you know, and it's just references all day long. Well, right? well you too. guys do the same thing in fantasy land. Oh, too, totally. You know? I would also say that horror, we have a lot more freedom in our films and our genre to play and get away with stuff. Like we don't have as many defined elements. Yes, we would say some things aren't quite a horror, but we hmm. dabble so much with different things. We borrow from that. We take that and we do this and we cross-reference. And we have way more freedom to get away with stuff because in a drama, 
you can't reveal the monster as much in a person or in other people because you have to remember this is a drama. The audience can right. only tolerate or take so much. Or comedy, this is a comedy. So even dark comedies, they can only tolerate or take so much. Whereas horror, it's like a free-for-all. You want to go there, go there. And chances are, your fans are going to like it. Well, uh, uh, to a certain extent, but I, I would push back on that a little bit just by saying you don't have the freedom to not scare people. Right. It, if you want to be, if it's a horror film, you've got to. You do. Push, no, you absolutely you've got to push do. something. You right. do have make to them fun. uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, you can make them uncomfortable, even just slightly uncomfortable. Yeah. You did it. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is too that I've seen many horror films where you know you're going to be scared at any second, and then they just drop it out from under you. So you know, there's nothing happens, and then you're like, "Well, wait a minute," and that kind of adds to the bills. <laughs> you're like, and then their somebody, head gets chopped off. Yeah, you know, somebody was supposed to die right there. And I just know it, but it doesn't happen. And then all of a sudden, you know, five minutes later your world's you know spilling out in front of you so yeah i think the best horror films play with your expectations yeah, and again it's part of that you watch those foundational films and you kind yeah. of build up this yeah. street cred with horror and you understand what's going on and you're yeah it's so much more powerful because you're like okay this checklist is happening and now if it follows this formula this is what's going to happen next but wait that didn't happen so yeah, why so right what's going okay. on? Yeah, yeah so not only do they yeah. not aren't confined to conventions they like to blow the conventions up yep. and yeah. that's what's awesome about it yeah. yeah. All right. That's why feels- and nobody gets upset about that and that's okay. why new subgenres are popping up every day in horror because it's just like you know what I don't want to play in that realm anymore. We're going to create this new thing and do that new twist. And now it's a talking like Abraham Lincoln vampire slayer. (laughs) Sure. We're we're now historical horror. Like it just throws a mean ax that Abe (laughs) pride and prejudice and zombies. (laughs) So, all right. uh, Parting shots from each of you. uh, Worst horror film you've ever seen or that you can think of off the top of your head. Don't do that to us. Come on. What's like, what's the one that if you're just like, no, do not, if you're going to watch a horror film, do not watch this one. I don't have one. Are you serious? I am 100% serious because the worst horror, the schlock horror is still freaking fun. It's so fun. Troll 2, Leprechaun, <laughs> Sharknado. I was actually going to oh, say okay, I Watch say it. Shark the worst 3D or no, Piranha 3D. 3 I would say though the worst that horrors bad. that I, like one of the ones I recently saw that was done that I, I had such high hopes for and I was watching it and it just felt like I was on a dizzy roller coaster the entire time and there were plot holes and I left at the end of the movie thinking, what did I just watch? That didn't make any sense so the worst horror to me is a horror that like they forget their story and so this and the camera is shaky the entire time so you can't even focus on anything and their characters disappear so i watched um as above so it is below is and, that the one in the Paris Catacombs? Yes, and I, I had high. I liked that movie. I had high so hopes there you go. for it. See, that was my, like, that's my absolute favorite attraction in Paris. By the way, because I love, I love the idea of the catacombs, and I watched that movie, and I'm just like, what happened to that character? Where did that character go? And how did that happen? That doesn't make sense. And why is this camera, for goodness' sake, so shaky? Like, <laughs> did they not have a steady cam? What is going on? This is a handheld movie the entire time. I cannot focus. I'm dizzy because it's just shaking the entire time, and I can't tell if it's for effect or if they just didn't have the budget i don't know and so i was frustrated because i wanted to like that movie because i love the paris catacombs yeah i love it too uh justin worst worst ever i was gonna say like you know the leprechaun (laughs) the reboots of like the piranha movie yeah where it's just they want to show girls boobs and 
people getting eaten by piranhas it's not really not your thing you know i i'm not a big fan of the boobs yeah i, I am a big fan of boobs but <laughs> hey earmuffs kids put your earmuffs, earmuffs on now PG-13. um i did notice that there is a newer genres so so one of them is monster erotica Oh yeah, yeah, and Whoa. and so specifically, I I found at, before we came, there's a dinosaur erotica genre. No, there is in fact velociraptors mating with humans somewhere off in, in our distant past, and uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. that that's that, actually a fantasy genre. People and dragons. Yeah, oh, so, sure. and, okay. and I saw that too. Also, yeah, people and dragons, and there there are toys that go along with that line too. Just in case you're well, wondering. that's all. That's uh, okay, actually we're in uh, past PG-13. Game of Thrones. <laughs> Um, she's a descendant of dragons, right? Yeah, there you go. Uh, Emma? Uh, I, I'm with Ashley. I think they all have their own value. But one that's trying too hard lately, I think, there's the found footage genre that oh, um, yeah, Blair yeah, Witch yeah. Project kind of made popular. What was the one where they're like sleeping in bed the whole time and he's got the camera in the corner and um, paranormal, paranormal activity? activity. Yeah. yeah, that one's yeah. good. So I think some of those, they do a really good job with. The VHS ones, I liked the first one, mm-hmm. but I think they get progressively worse. Yep. And again, some of the shorts are good, but others I think are horrible. So All that, right. that would be mine. Well, good. Uh, you guys, thank you very much for uh, for coming on. We're uh, running out of time here, so we'd better close it up. Uh, Wait, before we end, I have yes. to know. What film are you going to watch now? Yeah, that's now that question. you've had this discussion, oh, what are you we need going to watch? We need you on the hook for at least okay, one. Okay, all right. So I'll take 60 seconds. We um, need you to commit to one. I may go see or rent um, As Above, So Below just because <sighs> I love the catacombs, even if it's not that good. Like I, I liked it. I wouldn't say I'm going, you know, it's one of my favorite films, right. but there's I liked some of the ambient But I'm, stuff. I'm going to Paris in a, a few months. Uh, with my wife and so, so yeah, I, you gotta see that so yeah I'm yeah, thinking yeah. like if I watch that and American then go Werewolf to the catacombs <laughs> then uh, you know then it'll be just extra terrifying to walk through there um, but I, I think I might take the same approach that we're taking right now to science fiction on the podcast uh, so for our Heroes of Sci-Fi series we're going back and we're reading you know the real basic stuff uh, we're H. doing G. the Wells. time machine yeah. yeah we're doing Jules Verne we're yeah. doing uh, we, awesome. we just finished up um Oh, for heaven's sake, Starship Troopers, Robert Heinlein, you know, so okay. the really basic stuff. So I might yeah. go back and uh, kind of do a historical, yeah, you should, uh, a historical read through, so to speak, of read horror po. films. Uh, Poe, I've done. Oh, have you? Yeah, okay. Poe, I've He's done, and great. Lovecraft, I've done. So, oh, uh, so as far as films, um, yeah, maybe I'll go reach all the way back into the annals of the 1980s. That's a long and time ago. <laughs> the 80s and the 90s maybe watch some of those basic films that you were talking about yeah, justin yeah. so uh if i okay so if i have to pin down one film i will watch um no leprechaun doesn't count prom uh, stoker's dracula it's romantic you can watch it with your wife no nah, i don't want to watch that <laughs> um do, you, do uh do halloween. 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 Yeah. halloween okay yeah, i'll do halloween sure. okay sounds mind. good and then I shall report on that. Oh, um, no. Okay, now we really do have to uh, wrap up. So thanks again, uh, Ashley Walton, Emma Nelson, Ashley Turner, and Justin Ariel. We, we appreciate all of you guys coming on uh, and giving our regular panelists uh, a bit of a pass so that they didn't have to struggle through a horror <laughs> episode. Um, and uh, thank you to all of you who are listening. Uh, especially a big thanks again to whoever our fans are in Sweden. Uh, you're making a big splash again this month, and we appreciate you guys listening in. Go Sweden. Go Sweden. All right. Hey, have a good week, you guys, and we will talk to you later. Hey.
Hey everyone, thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and then check us out on Facebook and at our website, thelegendariumpodcast.com.